What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Hey, it's Will Bowling here for Brentwood Hearing Center, the hearing care provider in Middle Tennessee for 40 years. It's so easy to put off your hearing challenges, and it's hard to know if you've got an issue and need to get it checked. Brentwood Hearing Center is going to make that easy. Maybe friends and family members are getting frustrated because you're asking them to repeat themselves, or maybe you're having trouble hearing the person across from you at dinner in a crowded restaurant. Those are just a couple of the signs that you may benefit from hearing aids. And Brentwood Hearing Center offers the most advanced technology on the market. They'll get to know you, pinpoint the places where you're having the most trouble, and offer an individualized solution that's perfect for you. And this technology, it can connect via Bluetooth to your phone, to your television. It's like always having a pair of Bluetooth headphones on to listen in surround sound to whatever you're watching or listening to. Give them a call at 615-377-0420. It's a problem that affects people of all ages, and they've got five doctors of audiology ready to help you. Brentwood Hearing Center at BrentwoodHearingCenter.com, 615-377-0420. Brentwood Hearing Center, better hearing, better life. Will Bowling, Lucas Panzica, and the best insiders covering the Vols on Rocky Top each and every week. It's the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast on the Zone Podcast Network. Another edition of the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast on the 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network, and it's a big one. Tennessee, Alabama week, the third Saturday in October, actually being played on the third Saturday in October, which has not always been the case. Lucas Panzica with you. Our guy, Will Bowling, feeling under the weather. He is healing up so that he can be in Knoxville on Saturday, as he intends to be. So Ben McKee of Go Vols 247 joins us now on the podcast. Ben, appreciate you stepping in. Man, I know it's a crazy week and a uh, lot to talk about here. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for asking me to, to join. Hope uh, our guy, Will, gets to feeling better soon. We'll we'll make sure Will can bounce back, Ben, but let's dive in, man. You're in Knoxville. We're over here in Nashville. The conversation has been abundantly about Tennessee. Now, the Titans are in the bye week, so all the attention has been diverted to what's going to happen in Knoxville on Saturday. I can't even imagine what the buzz is like in East Tennessee. How would you describe it? Yeah, it's absolutely insane. What you imagine that it is, it's exactly that, and it is going to be an absolute, I want to say party on Saturday, but I don't even think party will will do it justice. I mean, it's just going going to be an absolute madhouse uh, before the game, during the game. And, and then if, if Tennessee can beat Alabama on Saturday, it, it just all may just come crashing down just from pure joy and excitement and noise. So uh, it's been a really cool week. My, my favorite part about football season, uh, and, and I'm sure there's a little bit of this with you as well, Lucas, uh, with the Titans, is during football season, all, all of your family and friends come into town throughout throughout the season. It's it's somebody different every week hitting you up and saying, hey, I'm going to be in town. Let, let's go get food. Let's go get lunch. Let's go get dinner. And uh, th- that's the case every single season, whether they're winning or losing. But this week, I mean, it, it's been one friend slash work acquaintance a- after the next just – Hitting, hit me up and saying, hey, I'm going to be in town this weekend. Let, let's go grab some food. Family, friends, you, you name it. 
former classmates. I mean, they're, they're all reaching out because it's one heck of a weekend. And, and of course, there's the people that also uh, think that I have connections to get them tickets when uh, I, I do not. So th- those are always fun. But no, I, I appreciate the passion. Uh, it, it's cool. And uh, we obviously love sports, but this this is why we do what we do. This is why we love doing what we do is for, for big games like this. I couldn't agree more, man. It was it was like that for the Florida game. You know, that it that that's uh, for a lot of people the chance to get back to Knoxville and to and to see all the people that they went to school with or or you know, they went to class with or family members, anything like that. And Alabama game now is that it feels like times a hundred. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people that can't make it to the game, that cannot make it to East Tennessee. They're gonna be watching from all over the world. So what we're going to do here is try to frame up this matchup as best we can to get you ready for it. And Ben, I think the best way to do that to start is to talk about who will and won't be there for both teams. Now, we'll start with Tennessee. Jalen McCullough obviously arrested, a charge of aggravated assault on Sunday, and his status up in the air. Josh Heupel on the SEC teleconference, which you were a part of today, hit on that a little bit. What information or lack of information did you guys get from Heupel today on Jalen McCullough? Well, you you said it perfectly. Uh, lack of information is what we received, and there's nothing at all wrong with that. I, I know a good chunk of media members out there love to complain about college coaches and, and how they don't give out information about injuries and suspension, and I would do the same thing if I was a college coach. It certainly is frustrating, but if there's no rule that forces you to tell the the other team essentially whether or not Cedric Tillman's going to play, whether or not Bryce Young is going to play, whether or not Jalen McCullough is going to play. Why would you volunteer that information? I, I know some coaches in the SEC just do it anyways, probably just to avoid the headache of it all and to, to avoid all the questions. But I, I don't at all blame Josh Heupel one bit for lack of information on anybody, but that, that's exactly what it was with Jalen McCullough, uh, that they're still trying to gather information. Uh, the police report did come out uh, this this morning uh, on knoxnews.com. And uh, for those who have not seen it, it, it was a drunk college kid that walked into to Jalen McCullough's apartment. Uh, he, he claims that he apologized and, and walked out and that Jalen McCullough um, apparently chased him down and, and punched him and punched his teeth out and, and all that fun stuff. So uh, is it something that, I feel deserves a lengthy suspension or being kicked off the team personally. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, but Tennessee saying that they're, they're still trying to, to gather information and, and that a decision at the end of the week will be made on, on whether or not he could play. I, I, I think if it weren't Alabama, then maybe he would just go ahead and rule him out. Like if it was next week when they play UT Martin, uh, you can afford to just not let Jalen McCullough play in, in that game. And, and honestly, I don't know how big of a difference Jalen McCullough would make in this particular game against Alabama. He's obviously not Hendon Hooker or uh, a key player in, in my mind, but he is still a, a veteran safety that has played a ton of football, and he is a, a leader on that team as well. So uh, we'll see. I don't think a decision has been made one way or the other, uh, but right now they're, they're still going with the – We'll, we'll find out more as the week goes on. And, and Josh Heibel's kind of honestly put it on the uh, administration more than anything and said that they're gathering the information and that they'll make a collective uh, decision on whether or not McCullough will play at the end of the week. So all of that that you just said, uh, making a decision to play at the end of the week, not really learning anything new, that all applies to Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman, but for entirely different reasons. I know Heupel said today, obviously coming off that ankle sprain he suffered against Akron, had the tightrope surgery with the aim to play against Alabama. And Heupel said today they will only play Tillman 
if he is 100%. Obviously, we're not going to know that. But, Ben, I think we've learned over the last couple of weeks uh, that there hasn't been any drop-off with this offense without Cedric Tillman. They've scored 78 points against SEC opponents without Tillman, but they haven't played Alabama. They haven't played this Alabama secondary, So, which has had its issues at times, but at the same time uh, is going to be the best defense that they've played so far this season. So, truly, uh, if Tillman does not play, what kind of impact do you believe that has in this game? Searching HVAC near here. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Wow. Nobody local? Huh. Wait, what? We are an HVAC company literally in your neighborhood. Why is she not seeing us? Just all the big chains. Well, it is what it is. What in the... Can you not see See us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local HVAC providers. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennig. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I had the best time. It was challenging, but it was like the show. It doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're not. It's no fun. Genuinely. And if it wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like it was. Hey, it was fine because I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, wherever you listen. Well, I mean, obviously there's going to be a big impact if, if he doesn't play. He, he's arguably the best receiver in all of college football. And, and if he's not the best receiver in college football, you're, you're not picking too many receivers before you get to Cedric Tillman. So uh, whether Alabama's secondary is what it typically is, which is full of first-rounders, and I don't think that this Alabama secondary as of today has the, the Minka Fitzpatrick's of the world back there roaming around for them, uh, it's it's a big loss whether he does play or, or doesn't play. That I mean that that's a huge 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 piece uh, to Tennessee football potentially pulling off this upset. But as big of a piece as that is, I, I take Cedric Tillman out. Assume that he's not going to play. I still like Tennessee in that in that particular matchup. Uh, Tennessee's receivers versus Alabama secondary. You 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 just got young guys out there on the edge for Alabama. You have Kool Aid McKinstry. Who might have the best name in, in all of college football? Yep, uh, he, he's a sophomore and and he's been pretty good, uh, but he's again he's just a sophomore and he just and same with Terion Arnold, the the redshirt freshman corner that starts opposite of of Kool Aid. They're both talented and they're both pretty good. It's just because of their inexperience, they're not the Alabama corners that we've become accustomed to. Uh, and then also Eli Ricks, the transfer from LSU. There's been a lot of drama there. Everybody just assumed that they'd pencil him in as a starter, and uh, it's been a lot of drama. I mean, this week he's posting on his Instagram story photos of him in LSU uniform and putting out lyrics that would make you think that he's thinking about transferring back to LSU. Uh, so the the Alabama corners are, are good. I'm not trying to say that they're not, but I think Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt are better. And, and I think Ramel Keaton is capable of making plays. So obviously you want Cedric Tillman. That increases the, the chances of, of Tennessee winning significantly, I would say. But I still like Tennessee in that matchup. Uh, Alabama's better at safety and at their star position. They have two senior safeties that start, DeMarco Helms at free safety and, and Jordan Battle at strong safety. But I, I still have that same sentiment that I do with the corners. They're good football players, but they're not Minka Fitzpatrick or Eddie Jackson, or, or some of those other uh, 
just ridiculous Landon Collins of the world that, that we've seen play safety for Alabama, the, the ones we see in the NFL right now. Uh, and then their best defensive back is Brian Branch uh, at the star position. So uh, that that is one of the two matchups that, that I think will determine the outcome of the game is Jalen Hyatt in the slot versus Brian Branch from, from his star nickel position uh, there in the slot. He, he's a junior and he's been their best uh, defensive back. He's kind of all over the field. Uh, has multiple pass breakups, has has tackles for loss, has sacks, has a bunch of tackles. Uh, so Jalen Hyatt versus Brian Branch will be a key matchup uh, for me on Saturday. On the Alabama side of things, Jalen Milrow obviously started, played the whole game against Texas A&M last week, turned the ball over three times. Bryce Young held out. He was on the sideline in full pads. Nick Saban saying after the game that Young wanted to go in. And then Saban saying today, that Young probably was not in a position to play in that Texas A&M game, and he's practicing some. Like you said before, there's no reason for Nick Saban to tell us whether or not Bryce Young is going to play on Saturday. He might know. He might not. But when you talk about what this game looks like with or without Cedric Tillman, I think whether or not Bryce Young plays in this game has a much larger impact. And if Tennessee is on that field, rather than Texas A&M, uh, Tennessee wins that game. I mean, I don't think that is even anywhere close to a stretch to saying that. At the same time, if Bryce Young is starting and not Milrow, I think Alabama wins that game by multiple scores because Young doesn't turn it over three times. So the the question I have is, uh, what are the chances that if Bryce Young does not play, we see a little bit of Jalen Milrow and potentially see some Ty Simpson, the true freshman. I heard Josh Pate talking about that on his podcast this week. Don't be shocked if that happens. I mean, where are you with all of this on, on where Bryce Young stands and who we might see if he doesn't play? Yeah, just a, a couple of thoughts real quick, if you don't mind, before I get to that point. I, I, I do think that you are absolutely right. It's the third Saturday in October, actually on the third Saturday in October, and, and it's not this uh, rivalry game that that we're having to make ourselves be excited about. If you follow Tennessee for for your entire life, like you and I have, Lucas, uh, it, it is a legitimate, interesting, fascinating matchup for the first time in, in years in in a very long time. And as awesome as that is, number three Alabama coming to number six Tennessee, uh, both teams undefeated. I, I think Tennessee has proven that that they they're probably have an outside chance of making the playoffs, but I think they're a playoff contender at this point. And I certainly think that they could push Georgia and Alabama uh, to make it to Atlanta and possibly win in Atlanta more than we thought so a month and a half ago. But with all that being said, as awesome as this matchup is on paper, Bryce Young and whether or not he plays still overshadows all of that. That that is an awesome storyline, but the storyline of if Bryce Young is going to play, it is a bigger storyline because he's the Heisman winner. He's the reigning Heisman winner, and he's that talented. He, he is just uber talented. And I, I think Tennessee definitely has a chance to still win the football game if Bryce Young plays. And uh, not only just simply if Bryce Young plays, even if he's 100% uh, or, or 90%, Bryce Young, Tennessee still has a chance to win this game because of what it does on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I think the pendulum pendulum swings a, a pretty good bit, May, maybe not in Tennessee's favor. I, I think I would still pick Alabama to win, even if Jalen Milrow is going to be the starting quarterback, and we know that going in. But the pendulum definitely <laughs> swings a little more towards Tennessee uh, if it's Jalen Milrow, just because he's not the passer 
that Bryce Young is. I, I think Melrose is a, a heck of a talent. I think he's a poor man's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts lit the world on fire as a freshman, and, and the knock on him has always been that he that he's not uh, a, a great passer, especially when he was in college. And I, I think that was fair. But Milro runs around like a Jalen Hurts, and it, it's really fun to watch if you love football. But he's not even the passer that Jalen Hurts was early in his college career, and and, and you've kind of you've kind of seen that against A and M. He did throw for three touchdowns, but it was still eleven of nineteen, twelve of nineteen, and and then against Arkansas when he came in to play after Bryce got hurt, it wasn't that great either. So I certainly think that swings the pendulum in Tennessee's favor. And if you're a Tennessee fan, how could you not want Jalen Milrow to play? Bryce Young's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner for a reason. I think we'll end up seeing Bryce Young on Saturday, though. Uh, just just in terms of, of people that I have spoken to, I know I cover Tennessee, but I've also spoken to some people that are real familiar with that situation uh, and Bryce Young. And uh, I think there's a, a solid chance that we see Bryce on Saturday unless he has a, a setback throughout the week. It's not 100% that he's playing. Same kind of with Cedric Tillman. Not 100% that Cedric plays. But if you had to to pick one or the other as, as of Wednesday, you would probably think that they're, they're going to play. But if not, I do think that you could see some Ty Simpson just because with, with Milrow, as talented as he is and as big of a freak athlete as he is, he makes the offense one-dimensional. Uh, he certainly does because of his inability to throw the football. And uh, another interesting matchup in this game is I like Alabama's receivers, but kind of the same storyline with, with the receivers that I was discussing with the secondary of Alabama. They're good receivers. They have a ton of potential, young, inexperienced, and they don't have that star receiver or multiple star receivers that Alabama has had in the past. So they, they don't even have the Amari Coopers or the Jerry Judys that can maybe help out uh, a, a Jalen Milrow. So it, it becomes a very one-dimensional offense. And I know Tennessee secondary has, has rightfully caught a lot of flack this season – but then all of a sudden, that's not as much of a worry. And the strength of the Tennessee defense, which has been bottling up mobile quarterbacks and stopping the run, that obviously plays in the Tennessee's favor. So uh, I think Milrow would start. But if the game is trending in that direction, kind of how we saw against A&M with it being a one-dimensional offense, then I certainly think you that, that you could see Ty Simpson. And, and that would be a fascinating storyline. We're talking about all these fascinating storylines. Ty Simpson, five-star quarterback. Josh Heifel from Tennessee. Uh, mm -hmm. Dad is the head coach at UT Martin, who Tennessee yep. plays next Saturday, yep. by the way. Uh, Tennessee desperately wanted him. Obviously, it's well documented if you follow recruiting, but kind of spurned Tennessee at the last minute. Uh, I think it was a late spring decision when he committed to Alabama over Tennessee. Heupel tried to get in late there, and it wasn't a Heupel issue. It's just he had just taken the head coaching job. And then Ty Simpson even flirted with Tennessee a little bit last fall while he was committed to Alabama as well, but never wavered because he felt more comfortable with Alabama's football program than the direction that Tennessee was heading. So all of a sudden that becomes a fascinating storyline as well. And, and I, I believe that that would be his first true uh, experience in playing time this yep. season. So uh, it'd be fascinating to see if he could be effective if he's thrown into the game. Uh, I had the chance to broadcast the two-way uh, state championship game last season, Westview, Ty Simpson's Westview Chargers against Hampton, a game that Westview won handily in Simpson's last game as a high school football player. And I remember there being chatter in the press box about, oh, maybe, you know, he's maybe he's mulling, you know, mulling over a flip. Don't be so certain, Ty Simpson. He was playing the game, actually, during the, uh, ironically, during the SEC championship, Alabama playing against Georgia. Let's see, something different for dinner. Searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee. 
same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here. Ma'am, our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network on YouTube or wherever you listen. Um, but obviously that did not happen. He stayed committed to Alabama. This would be his first meaningful snaps. And you're right. You can't make that stuff up for his first meaningful snaps to come against Tennessee in his home state when Tennessee's next opponent against his father, the head coach of, of UT Martin. Uh, but you bring up the Alabama receivers and the constant discussion point that I've heard all season around that group is, well, you know, this isn't the Alabama receivers you're used to. This isn't the, the Jameson Williams and the Henry Ruggs and the Jerry Judy's. And I've always kind of almost scoffed at that because I, I'm like, no, it's not because those guys are because that's the most ridiculous wide receiver room in college football history. Are we going to stack that up against every Alabama receiver room moving forward and act like that's the standard? Uh, so I've always thought that to be just kind of a moot point when saying, oh, they don't have Jamison Williams. Like, no, they don't have the best receiver in college football last season. But the more the 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 with every passing week, I'm starting to realize that maybe there is something to that, that this wide receiver room just hasn't, you haven't seen that guy take over. Um, and, and again, it's a high standard. Uh, it, it's, it's not, it's as simple as not seeing the guy with 10 yards of separation on the second and third level of the defense. Like you've gotten so used to with this out with Alabama and its receivers over the years, but the, it's just not there this year. However, Jameer Gibbs is there this year and Jameer Gibbs is an NFL talent that can play running back that can line up in the slot that can line up on the outside and I cannot think of one singular player on Alabama's offense, Ben, that can do more damage than Jameer Gibbs can against Tennessee. And I wonder what that plan defensively looks like, whoever is that quarterback with Jameer Gibbs in there. And let's say Bryce Young plays and he's not 100%. You know, what's a better way to get Bryce Young some easy throws than to have Jameer Gibbs in the flat or out of the backfield? And I wonder what Tennessee's plan is to stop that. Well, Tennessee's plan, I think, to stop Jameer Gibbs is to pray yep. all day Saturday uh, leading up to kickoff. I, I think they're going to have Chris Walker, the FCA director for Tennessee, <laughs> yeah. just come in on, on Friday night and and just going to have a, a, a lot of prayer between Friday night and probably should be praying as we speak right now. Uh, <laughs> Jameer Gibbs is, is that type of athlete. And uh, Alabama doesn't have that number one receiver and and I don't know that you necessarily need to have a number one receiver to be successful but the, these these talking points of Alabama doesn't have the corners that we're used to seeing or the safeties that we're used to seeing or, or uh, the offensive line uh, collectively that we're used to seeing that just mauls folks they they don't have the receivers that that we're necessarily used to seeing all of those talking points lean into to why it took the, the refs to help them beat Texas in Austin last month and why they struggled uh, against A&M on top of obviously Bryce Young not playing as well. And, and Bryce Young not playing the second half against Arkansas helped Arkansas come back uh, for a minute there in that game and, and helped A&M as well. But 
the 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 side issue in my opinion and possibly a bigger issue when when looking at if Alabama can win the national championship sure they can but they have some deficiencies that may prevent them from winning the championship which they also had those same deficiencies last year as well you, you saw Jamison Williams go out in the championship game and I think if he plays, I honestly think that Alabama wins the national championship, uh, to be honest with you, but they didn't have that go-to guy. But Jameer Gibbs, we have all those side conversations about – and they're still really good football players. Just please don't take it as – we're not saying that they're not good. It's just like you said, Saban has established this ridiculous standard uh, of the overall ability as a team, and and then you assume that each player that steps on the field is this all-world – all-American first-round type of talent. And they still have a lot of talent, obviously, but it's not what we've become accustomed to. That's not the case with Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is lightning in a bottle. I mean, he he is obviously a a fantastic football player. He he can do so much. He is exactly what you want in a running back in today's game of of football that can run between the tackles, uh, can, can hit the perimeter and make a guy miss, and it's a house call if he makes one guy miss. I mean, he has ridiculous speed. And, and then what makes him so great in today's day and age of football is his ability to catch out of the backfield and split out wide and, and catch passes as a, a route runner. He he is everything that you want. He, he checks all the boxes. Uh, and if Jeremy Pruitt wanted him as a running back instead of a defensive back, he, he probably would have signed with Tennessee out of high school. Uh, and, and this current Tennessee staff was very interested in Jameer Gibbs – when he decided to transfer from Georgia Tech this past offseason, but Gibbs still felt some type of way about the previous staff and Jeremy Pruitt not wanting him as a running back, so he didn't really look at Tennessee. And I guess that's a, a separate conversation. Should, should you really um, hold that against Josh Heupel when when he's not the one that made that decision the first time? But, uh, man, it, I, on a separate conversation, it, it'd be so fun to, to watch Jameer Gibbs in this offense with with Hooker and, and and these receivers, but he's awesome. Uh, and uh, aside from prayer, it, it's going to take the backers uh, ha- having a big game, in my opinion. Tennessee kind of has three that they're leaning on right now, Aaron Beasley. Uh, and I, I don't know how favorable this matchup is for Aaron Beasley uh, just because Gibbs is such an athletic freak. And, and Beasley, I think, is having a good season. I, I think he's developing into a nice linebacker, but I, I worry about his lack of athleticism in this football game against Gibbs. Uh, whereas Jeremy Banks and, and Jawan Mitchell, they have the athleticism to make plays, especially a Jawan Mitchell. And, and he's somebody that really needs to step up, in, in my opinion. He, he plays and starts at linebacker against LSU last week. And I, I believe he played a handful of more snaps than Aaron Beasley at linebacker. And he finishes the game with zero tackles. Zero tackles in the SEC. It's harder to finish with zero tackles than it is to to tally five tackles in in a game. And on the flip side of that, the less athletic guy in Aaron Beasley comes in and leads the team in tackles with nine. So uh, I I think uh, Juwan Mitchell is a guy that really needs to step up because they could use his athleticism uh, against Gibbs in in space. And you just really haven't seen his potential uh, during his time at Tennessee and especially this season. So I think it's going to be critical that uh, the, the backers, Banks, Beasley, and Mitchell have a strong game because they're the guys that are going to be tasked with matching up with him, Gibbs, in, in the passing game, then also trying to fit the runs at the, the way that they have this year. On the flip side, Tennessee, I mean, we don't need to sit here and talk about how important it is for, for Hendon Hooker to have a big day and to continue 
his streak of avoiding interceptions and uh, and for Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt to have big days if Tillman's not there. Like that, that is all, you know, we can leave that left unsaid. We can leave the obvious left unsaid here. But for Tennessee to be able to run the football, this is an Alabama defense that is allowing 250 yards per game total. It's fifth best in the country. They're top 10 in stopping the run. How much of Tennessee's success on Saturday is predicated on being able to run the football behind an offensive line that's played really well this season, Gerald Mincy back in at left tackle, and with Jabari Small carrying the rock? Yeah, it's going to be very important. I, I think people just – people outside of Knoxville and people who are not familiar with Tennessee and Josh Heupel and his system, they just assume that this is a, an air raid, and it's not. Uh, th- this offense is not successful – if Tennessee does not run the football, regardless of who you are playing, because the thought process is aside from the tempo, you, you want to, they have these huge splits for the receivers to where they're split out much wider on the perimeter than, than you typically see in the traditional offensive sets. And that's because you want to have the opponent commit more players to the perimeter. That way it, it comes down to a numbers game in the box. If, if you have favorable numbers, in the box, then you hand the ball off. And typically it, it's successful. Uh, and, and then if the opposing team, like you saw against Pittsburgh, Pat Narduzzi is 1,000% always going to to have his main focus on stopping the run, regardless of what the other team's strength is. He just refuses to let teams run the ball on him. So he he loaded the box full of defenders. And what Tennessee do? They, they threw it out to or, uh, Cedric Tillman a thousand times that game because they, they had the numbers on the perimeter. So uh, that's why it's critical that Tennessee can can run the ball. Not Obviously, running the ball is always important, but particularly with this offense because you want Alabama to have to commit more guys in the box if, if they're not able to, to, to slow down the run with the traditional number of guys. And if they commit more guys to the box, then obviously you're pulling an extra de- defender or two away from the perimeter, and you could get the ball in Jalen Hyatt's hands running down the field or Brew McCoy and and the yak yards for Brew McCoy. The yards after the catch for Brew McCoy against LSU were tremendous. I, I think 70-ish of his 120-ish yards came after the catch. and, and he, he had, was a, he had a, guys. So about half his yards, he totaled 140 yards. Yep. Right, yes. I mean, he, he was tremendous, just stiff-arming guys and, and breaking tackles. They want to get the ball to those guys in those type of situations. And then also, obviously, Cedric Tillman, if, if he's playing it. And I'm curious to see if Squirrel White, uh, the freshman who who saw a little bit more action uh, this past week against LSU, if, if he gets more action uh, going forward. I think he will, but I, I wonder how much of that will come against Alabama. But I'm curious because he, he brings something to the table that very few other guys on this offense does, and that's speed. He he has world-class speed, Jalen Hyatt-type speed, and, and he might be faster than Jalen Hyatt. So getting the ball to a guy like Squirrel White on the perimeter and, and letting him show off that speed, it's it's important. But it all comes back to the running game and Jabari Small and uh, and Jalen Wright. If they can run the ball successfully, then Alabama's going to have to commit more guys to the box. And then obviously what also helps this offense is Hendon Hooker's ability to, to run the football as, as well. He, he's terrific with his legs. Uh, and in games like this, to pull off this type of upset, you're going to need his legs. But I have, I'm really curious to see how Alabama does uh, against Tennessee um, because aside from Arkansas, they, they haven't really played a, a good offense. Uh, Vanderbilt – New Mexico State, Utah State, I, I guess Texas, uh, but that, that Texas offense looked different without Quinn Ewers in there when he got hurt in that game. But it, it's been Vanderbilt, a really bad AM offense, 
Louisiana Monroe, Utah State, and then you had the Texas game in which Quinn Ewers was hurt for two and a half, three quarters. So I'm really curious to see. They this, did hold the offense this week. Now, Bijan Robinson, one of the best running backs in football, 21 carries, yes. 50, uh, 57 yards, uh, and a touchdown. So he was held to 2.7 yards per carry against Alabama. Now, Texas had to change some things offensively. Hudson Card thrown in there. Like you said, Ewers got injured. Uh, but that is their, I mean, the, the, the sample size of them playing. You know, I'm not, you know, college football's, uh, one of college football's elite running backs is Bijan Robinson. They held him in check. Uh, I'm really curious to see how much Dylan Sampson plays in this game, the freshman running back that slowly is kind of starting to be worked in a little more, saw him on the field against LSU. But uh, maybe most of all, Ben, how Tennessee is able to protect Hendon Hooker because obviously the, the streak of, of, of not of, I don't know, 200, whatever it is, passes that he's thrown without an interception is insane, hasn't thrown one yet this season. Um, but nothing will cause a, a good quarterback that takes care of the football uh, to, to turn the ball over more than being sped up in the way that Alabama can speed you up with that pass rush. Uh, nobody's been able to stop Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner, that trio of Alabama pass rushers this season. Now, Tennessee essentially eliminated one of the best pass rushers in the SEC and B.J. Ojolari from the game last week. I was so impressed, Ben, with the pass protection against that LSU front, which is the best front they faced all season. I just wonder how that translates this week against this Alabama front, which is just different. Yes, uh, they, they have the best player in college football, and, and that is Will Anderson, and he, he is just a freak of nature. And, and it's not just him either. You mentioned Chris Braswell. I, I really like Dallas Turner the guy who benefits from being opposite uh, of uh, Will Anderson as the other outside backer. Um, But it'll be really interesting. I I mentioned earlier uh, one of the matchups that I I think will be the low-key matchups that that determine how the game goes was Jalen Hyatt versus Brian Branch uh, there in the slot because Jalen Hyatt's having a terrific year. Brian Branch, Alabama's best uh, defensive back. The other matchup is Will Anderson and – specifically Will Anderson, but also the Dallas Turners and those other pass rushers against Tennessee's tackles. I feel better about Tennessee's tackles today on October 12th than I did during fall camp. And not necessarily Darnell Wright. I thought he would have a a really solid season. He's having a really great season, not even just really solid. But we didn't know anything about J.J. Crawford or or Gerald Mincy. And and Mincy missed last game due to injury, and and he'll be back this Saturday. but he, he's got to have a strong game. I, I don't know what Alabama's going to do with Will Anderson in terms of just leaving him on Darnell Wright, or are they going to move him around a ton and, and try to get him matched up on the left tackle as well? Because obviously Darnell Wright is better than Tennessee's two left tackles. But that that matchup, along with the Hyatt versus Branch matchup, I, I think those are going to be the, the, the sneaky matchups that determine the game. Because if you can neutralize Will Anderson, Hinton Hooker should be able to put up the – the numbers and be as productive as he's been doing. And I I don't think you're just going to completely shut down Will Anderson. This honestly reminds me of back in the day when Jadavion Clowney was playing at South Carolina. You're not going to stop him. You just need to neutralize him and and limit him as much as possible. So it's very important that Tennessee's offensive line uh, has a big day. And I I think they're having a a really solid season. Um, And there's some statistics that, that back that up as well. I saw one on Twitter today where Tennessee is one of the most blitzed teams in the country, and yet they're still allowing some of the, the fewest pressures in the country. And also, to your point about turnovers, Hendon Hooker does not turn the football over. 
knock on wood. But Alabama has not produced turnovers yeah. this season at all. Their turnover margin is negative six. That's second worst in the SEC. The only team that has a worse turnover margin than Alabama is Auburn. And, and we know that Auburn team is absolutely terrible. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Alabama secondary has two interceptions. Actually, let me rephrase that. Alabama has two interceptions. One is from the secondary mm-hmm. because the other interception was from Will Anderson. Yeah. So uh, you, you have to like your chances if you're Tennessee, if you can find a way to neutralize the pass rush, because to this point in the season, Hooker has not turned the ball over, and Alabama's secondary has not been good about forcing turnovers either. You know, this game is a, a little – it's kind of difficult to talk about, right? Because it's so different based on whether Bryce Young plays or Jalen Milrow plays or whatever the situation is at quarterback for Alabama. Throw in whether or not Cedric Tillman plays and Jalen McCullough's situation. It's such an interesting conversation in the lead-up to it because we don't have all the information. Uh, and we're not going to have all the information probably until game day. So I'm not going to put you on the spot for a game prediction because, to be honest, I think that's fruitless right now. Given what we don't know about Saturday's game, I think it's a waste of time to sit here and say who is going to win. But I'll ask you this on the way out, Ben, and I can't thank you enough for stepping in today. What is this game going to come down to? There's multiple things, but the the number one thing at the top of the list that is going to win this football game for either Alabama or Tennessee is what? I think it's Tennessee's defense uh, and their ability to limit the the big plays down the field from Alabama's receivers. I know we talked about Alabama not having that one amazing receiver, but they they still have receivers that that get behind secondaries and make big plays because they're that talented. They, They just haven't necessarily established themselves as an every down receiver per se. So the secondary is going to have to limit the big plays uh, down the field, and and also they're, they're going to have to find a way to continue continue to do what they've done against the running game, bottle up the quarterback as best they can, uh, and they've been really really good. Aside from that long run that they allowed to Pittsburgh, they've been really good against opposing running backs and the traditional running game. So they're, they're going to have to continue to do those things because and and I say I point to the defense. I think most people will point to Hendon Hooker needing to have a big game. I expect the offense to to have a a good day. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to hang 40 or 50 on Alabama, but I would be surprised if if they don't get to 28, 30 points. And I think that can win Tennessee the game if the defense is able to contain Jameer Gibbs, if Bryce Young plays, uh, contain Bryce, and then also if Jalen Milrow plays. He's capable of running for a lot of yards, containing him uh, as well. So this game, to me, because I expect the offense to show up and, and have a pretty successful day, to me, it's going to come down to, to whether or not Tennessee's defense can um, perform well enough to help out the offense. That, it's a great point uh, because Tennessee smothered LSU with its front seven on Saturday. Smothered them. Uh, held them to 55 rush yards, sacked the quarterback five times. I, I agree with you, Ben, that that is going to be a critical component of this game and that uh, that uh, Byron Young is going to be a critical a piece of this game. If Tennessee wants to win, beat Alabama for the first time since 2006. On the way out, what were you doing in 2006? 2006? I, I was in middle school. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I was... <laughs> I was in fifth grade. Yeah, I, I, we were both about the same age. Yeah, um, we so, had some classes together at UT. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I imagine that we were in the same grade. I was a little young for my grade. So I don't know. I, gotcha. I guess I was in fifth or, or sixth grade. Yeah. I... I, I whew, that, that's a long time ago. Long we're, we're time, Ben. We're getting old now. 
we're getting so old now that it, it's it's hard to remember what we were doing that, that yeah. long ago. That's fair. I, don't, I, I think there's probably a portion of this podcast audience that's offended by the idea of being 26, being <laughs> old. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but it's it's been a long time. We'll put it that way. And too long. It's, it's been a long time since you've been able to go into this game having the conversation of okay about how Tennessee can beat Alabama because that was never even a part of the conversation for the majority of these 15 years that Alabama has won in a row. So it's going to be fun. Knoxville is going to be a flame regardless of what happens on Saturday at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 kickoff against Alabama. Of course, you can hear the Vol Network call on 104.5 The Zone if you're not going to the game and you're in the Nashville area. But Ben McKee, Go Vols 247, at Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Read his game preview. A ton of great information to get you ready for this matchup. Ben, thank you so much, man, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on, Lucas. It's the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. We will talk to you next week and reconvene about whatever happens on the third Saturday in October at Newland Stadium. See you guys. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.